Unfortunately, grief is as much a part of life as happiness. You can't have light without darkness. Grief can have a strong negative impact on your life, causing you to neglect those close to you who still need your love and attention. Your work and even your health can suffer. In this episode of Divorce Is Not A Destination, I share valuable practices to help you handle grief in a more positive way. Hear from an audience member whose three-month experience helped her transition from grief to grateful. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerhour. I'm here to help you understand it's your life, your journey, and divorce is not a destination. Well, I want to say hello and good evening and thank you to the listening audience and for anyone who joins me live tonight. Uh, I'll be excited to see you and welcome. Um, but as always, always, always excited to have those of you who join me and hear this in the replay. So whether that is here on um, Fireside, whether that is on one of the streaming services, or if you catch this on my YouTube channel, however you end up hearing and listening and supporting, I want to thank you in advance. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerhour, and this is my Divorce is Not a Desti Destination podcast. Um, I am also the creator of Divorce is Not a Destination, which is a proprietary program that I use to guide and support women who are on the brink of divorce, uh, those who have already experienced divorce, and even some who are working to avoid getting divorced. And I help them align their lives with their values, their virtues, and their faith, uh, help them learn to communicate in their truth uh, and love without guilt. And I help them to build trust. And it's trust in themselves so that they can learn to build up their confidence so that they're able to start trusting other people because that's a, an issue for a lot of folks who have gone through a divorce. And my end goal is to help you embrace your life, help you enjoy this journey and really understand that divorce is not a destination. Um, I joked with someone a few days ago, no little girl ever got dressed up in a fancy dress and said she was pre pretending to prepare for a divorce. So that wasn't where, where any of us ended up in tonight's episode. When I replay this and redo the ad for the replay, I'm going to update the graphic because I realized that I, I put um, eight strategies to help you find your happy. And I think one of my challenges was trying to get so many words on the graphic and it didn't include in times of grief. If you listen to the intro, my trailer, you would hear grief was included in that because this really is this episode about helping people find happiness, even as you're going through grief. And uh, I'm going to take a minute here and update my, uh, my cookie that's rolling here at the bottom. And there's something here now about Chadwick, Chadwick Bozeman, which is not a bad thing, but uh, I want to make sure that I, I clear this and I may update it with something a little bit later as we, as we go on. Um, but I, I want to talk about grief and what you can do to move through it and to find that sense of, of happy or joy in, even as you're going through grief. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate grief is a part of life. Uh, some things that I was reading just said, you know, it, it's hard to really understand fully what happiness or joy are unless you've experienced some form of grief. So some sense of loss. And it, it's akin to you can't really have light unless you understand that darkness also exists. So it's the yin and the yang of life. It's the, the good and the bad, the up and the down. It's, it's not never falling down. It's knowing that you're, you, you will fall down and that you have everything that you need to get back up and keep moving. Um, but grief can have a really powerful, powerful impact on your life. And you can start to neglect people, uh, responsibilities, um, and yourself if grief gets out of hand and goes too long without you working really diligently and purposefully to address it and uh, turn it around. So you, you don't want it to get to a point where your health can suffer as a result of you going through grief. So learning how to handle grief in a positive way is um, a really, really valuable life skill for yourself. And it's good to be able to be there as a support for someone else once you learn to navigate through grief. So um, I wanted to start off, there are eight things that I'm gonna talk about, eight little strategies or ideas that you can use, but I wanted to start off with something else I learned when I was researching this. What, it's called disenfranchised grief. 
disenfranchised grief. And I'm, I want to read to you, uh, it's a bereavement expert. His name is Kenneth Doka. And he's the one that coined this frame, this phrase, disenfranchised grief. And he describes it as the type of grief that people experience when they're going through a loss um, or something traumatic and others don't openly acknowledge it or mourn it, or it's not something that's socially supported. And this could be um, post-divorce. You know, sometimes friends and neighbors don't quite know what to do. And so they don't show up at all. They're uncomfortable. Uh, maybe you were friends with someone, you and your partner, your spouse were friends with this other couple. And now that you're separated, people sometimes don't want to pick sides. And in that effort not to pick sides, they don't do anything. And so you could be left feeling like, wow, I don't really have a support system. And that's what he refers to as this disenfranchised grief, right? Um, these people aren't communicating. And so one of the things that he suggests in dealing with this type of grief is to make sure that you communicate to your loved ones and those close to you that you are grieving, that this is something that's difficult for you. This is an experience that you're having a hard time uh, getting through by yourself and, and you're grieving um, because a lot of people in their effort to help you, help you will say things like, oh, you're better off. Oh, you're going to be just fine. Oh, you're going to get through this. Don't worry. And all of those things may come to pass. But in the meantime, you still need to figure out how you're going to deal with the fact that you are grieving. Right. So you may need to uh, share with your loved ones, your family members, your friends that you're grieving. And I would also add that you need some kind of support and what that support might look like for you. And so maybe you are really struggling with, with something and having meals cooked would help. Maybe people can drop off a meal. Maybe you just need someone to listen. You're not asking them to solve a problem. You don't need them to hate your spouse. <laughs> or to have anything negative to say, maybe you just need someone to be around for you to share what you're going through so that you can voice it somewhere. And that may be all of the, all of the support that you need. So figure out what it is that you need and then figure out who it is that you feel comfortable sharing that with so that you can, uh, you can have the support that you need while you are grieving. Um, a lot of people liken going through a divorce to experiencing a death. Matter of fact, I've heard over the years, people say that death sometimes is easier because you know the person is actually gone um, and you don't have to worry about navigating how you're going to communicate with them or deal with them or how watching someone else, that someone that you love move on with their life, how it might impact you. You don't have all of those things with a death. Now, that may sound really, um, really strange or weird or icky or whatever word you want to use to some people. And at the same time, there are others who feel like I've experienced death, I've experienced, experienced divorce, and I get it. Um, that may not be your situation, but I'll tell you where some of the similarity is in the grieving process where both a loss by death or a separation or divorce, the grieving process is very similar. And there's some debate right now with psychologists and psychiatrists on whether or not these five stages of grief still exist. Um, I contend that they do, and I, I will say before I share them with you that these five stages of grief don't happen in the same order for everyone. The amount of time that you spend in each one of these areas could be different, um, and how you experience each one of them could, is going to be different than someone else. And, and you knowing that they exist, I think sometimes being able to put a name to something um, very often helps you identify and be able to go, okay, this is what I'm going through. Because there are a lot of times when you're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm experiencing. I don't even know what to call this. Is this weird? Am I going through something nobody else has gone through? And it, it always seems to be a little bit more difficult when you feel like you're the only person experiencing whatever it is. So let me, let me share the five stages of grief. Um, they call it five stages of grief, whether it's death, or loss, so something traumatic, so a divorce fits into that uh, into that category. So, the, and I'm not, they're not in any order. I'm going to number them, but these are not necessarily in any order that you may experience them. So, the first one I'll talk about is denial, and it's a 
uh, temporary. They say it's often the early stage of the grieving process. You can't believe this happened, right? Um, now, the good thing about it is it can sometimes help reduce the shock. You know, the state of disbelief keeps you from really, really dealing with the shock of the loss. And so you want to be mindful of that because the reality is you have experienced the loss. But while you're in this denial stage, the impact of it may be a little bit less. So that, that there are sometimes are some benefits to why we go into these different emotional stages. I think sometimes it's a self, uh, almost like a self-preservation that your, your mental or psychological being just knows I need to buffer this. And so denial might be one of those areas where it's helping you process, but from a, a, a little bit with a little bit distance. The next one is anger. <laughs> um, and I've had losses in my family, you know, from death where I know some of us have gone through anger because of the way it happened. And with a divorce, it's no different. When you go through a divorce, you can often feel this rush of emotion um, and fear and pain can be included. But anger is often the thing that covers some of these emotions. Um, you may be feeling fearful and you may be feeling the pain or the angst or the loss and anger may be the thing that you're able to express and it helps you mask those others. I'm not sure that, that that's necessarily healthy if it goes on too long because you do want to deal with what's really going on with you. Um, but anger can also be used to motivate you to move forward. And again, if it does that temporarily to kind of get you out of a rut, then there may be a benefit to that anger motivating you. You want to make sure that the anger is not something that you are acting out in a way that's going to cause you or someone else harm, whether that's physical or emotional. And you also want to make sure that you're not making, you know, major decisions in your life while you're in this state of, of being angry. But just recognize that these are denial and anger are two of those stages of grief that you might go through or have already gone through if you've experienced divorce. Number three is what they call bargaining. Bargaining. Um, this may, when it's a divorce, it may be the thing that helps you see that the relationship is really over. Let me say that again. Bargaining may be the thing that helps you see that the relationship is actually over. Adjusting my camera here for a second. And um, what that means is it could be, you know, counseling, um, a couple's retreat, or just making promises to each other uh, to behave differently in the future. So those are the things that you may have bargained and they didn't happen. Um, and so as you're processing this, I'm going to read this. Um, yeah. So th those are the things that, that may have happened during the relationship or during the, the process of going through a divorce that help you realize that this is why this didn't work. We tried this and this and this, because in the process of going to counseling, you may be bargaining during the process of a couple's retreat. You, you may be in this bargaining phase, but then after the divorce has happened, and if you're replaying that, it's the thing that you go back to and go, no, I tried this. We tried this. These things didn't work. I, I've got to start getting comfortable with the reality that they didn't work and this is over, right? The next one, a lot of people, uh, you won't be surprised. So the next of the, the five stages of grief is depression. Depression. And, and I want to say a brief period of depression because if it goes on for an extensive period of time, then it is not healthy and it could be dangerous. And you, you may want to look at getting some, some help as in the form of therapy or making sure you're talking to your doctor about the stages that you're in um, so that they can monitor, you know, how long have you been in this de depressed state? But it's not unusual that you, you may feel some, some uh, degree of depression because it typically will go after the denial, the anger and the bargaining because it's the reality setting in of this loss, right? Um, it's the acceptance that the marriage is over. So you, you're now emotionally at a place of acknowledgement and that reality can be really fat, really sad. I'm sorry. 
uh, sad. It could be a really sad experience and it could be filled with some regret because at this point, um, especially after getting out of getting through the anger, because you may have directed that anger towards your partner, you may have internalized and started directing some of the anger towards yourself. And now that you're in this kind of mellower state, feeling depressed, you're able to start really reflecting. And that reflection could make it just feel very heavy. And you might get depressed and be sad and frustrated with yourself because you may now start realizing the things that you did that um, were, were, were part of what caused the divorce. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it may be one person, but very often if you look, you can see that there were things that both of you did um, that may have led to the marriage not working out. And so denial, anger, bargaining, and depression. And then the fifth stage that they have is acceptance. This is typically the last stage, the final stage. And it's when you have fully processed that the divorce has actually occurred. And this is when you can move on and start making a new life for yourself. So um, a lot of experts are saying that the five stages of grief are outdated. I don't necessarily believe that. Maybe people don't talk about them. And maybe we have what, what, what usually happens or what often happens with things is people want to come up with new terminology for the same stuff. But um, I know for me personally, I could pinpoint several of these areas uh, with me going through my divorce divorces and even with a long-term relationship or a relationship that I was really invested in ending, knowing that I, I, I remember going through a denial stage even before we actually separated. I remember giving myself permission to be angry and that actually came after the bargaining, right? And so these things, and you, they may be interwoven, you may kind of weave in and out of them until you get to this place of acceptance. So in talking about um, what we can do, what are some of the things that we can do dealing with grief so that we can come out of grief healthier or healthy, uh, let's say healthier, um, and feeling like you have the tools that you need to actually, actually cope. So the first one I would say would be to be grateful. Uh, one of the best things that uh, anyone can do is to, to be grateful and have that gratitude journal. And you know, for me, I'm going to always mention the What Went Well journal. Um, you can still get it on Amazon before I go ahead and update it. But it's a way for you to actually write down um, the things that you're grateful for. And here's a, a short exercise that you can, you can do for yourself. And that's to um, spend five minutes a day, just five minutes a day, writing down the good things that went on that day. So this is more of a journaling exercise but it allows you to go deeper into things that are working for you for that day. So maybe you're going to get triggered by something really good happening that day. And that's what's going to cause you to go into your journaling. So one of the things you can do is be grateful and write about it. Um, another thing is to focus on the things you can actually control. <laughs> Ooh, this is a, this is a, this is a, this could be a challenging one because we spend a lot of time worrying about things that we have no control over. And we go really deep into that rabbit hole of what could have happened or should have happened or what somebody else should have done. And there are things we just don't have any control over and it exhausts us. You could spend a lot of time and energy and realize that it's pretty much wasted because you don't have any influence over whatever this thing is, right? So enjoy the people who are around you when they're around you in real time and spend time with them so that you are also making new memories. Um, uh, and just laugh out the old ones, you know, replace some of these things that you used to do with new things you can do with the people who are in your life. Um, those are things that you can control. The people you're spending your time with, the things that you're doing with your time are things that you can control. And while we're talking about it, the third thing, is focus on the people who actually are in your life. The people who are in your life right now, whether they were there through the marriage, through the divorce or whatever, they're the people who really matter in your life at this moment. And you need to let them know what they mean to you. So especially if you've had folks who have just been there forever through the ups and downs and the good and the bad, they've been there for you for support and for uh, love and laughter when you needed it, just figure out a way to call them, send them a note, 
uh, send them a text message and let them know you were thinking about them. See if you can have them over for coffee or meet them for coffee and make sure that you are, are doing something intentional. So a phone call is great. Like I said, writing a letter is great. Um, it's never too late to reach out and keep in touch with someone. These are, this is, this, this is a focus on the folks in your life, but this is also focusing on something you have a hundred percent control over. So those two, those two really, really are connected. If you're a person of faith, this is a really good time to rely on your religious practices or your spirituality. So whether you pray, uh, whether you do meditation, if you attend a church or temple or synagogue, whatever it is for you, this is a great time to get reconnected. If you study the, the, um, uh, the, the Bible or any other religious text, this is a good time for you to reinvest your time in just having that time to yourself for reflection and healing and understanding of what it is that you've learned and what your, your religious teachings have, have taught you. And what is it that you can lean on right now while you're going through this period and beyond and look for things that are related to to joy finding joy in your life look for things that are helping you move through you know i always tell people we're designed to we're called to go through the valley not build you know condominiums and put tents in the valley and stay there indefinitely so that connects to the grieving process of depression it should be a short-term thing it should be something that you go through not a place where you want to get stuck um, it can be that grief will be the thing that helps you strengthen your spiritual life. Um, and, and sometimes we need to go through something before we reach out and reconnect with God. Um, and if that's what happens, then that's phenomenal. But you also know that that is where your strength comes from, that you're not just depending on yourself. And even though we have loved ones and friends in our, in our family um, and in our circle, they're not always available. And sometimes we do need to be able to sit with ourselves and have a power higher than us that we can connect to. They say, you know, you want to make sure you get aligned vertically before you start align, aligning with people horizontally. So you want to make that vertical connection to, for, in my case, it's God. You want to make that vertical connection to your source of, of life and strength. And that's going to help you strengthen those horizontal connections to other people in your life. So that would be number four is rely on your religious or your spiritual uh, practices. Uh, five, remember the good things. Remember the good things. Um, this can be a challenging one when it's a divorce. And for some people, even when it's a death, it's hard to think about all the good times because you, you can put yourself in a place where you actually get depressed thinking about the good times. And often that happens not just because you're thinking about the good times, but you're comparing them to today and you're thinking, I'm never going to have that again. That was so great. Oh, I've lost all of it forever. So I, I want you to think about this this way. The memories that you created with that person, the activities that you did that brought you joy, the experiences that you had that filled your heart still happened. They didn't keep the marriage together. The relationship still ended and maybe that's exactly what it should have done. You may even be having moments where you think in the long run, I'm going to be better off. That doesn't mean you don't get to still experience the memories from those good moments because you also had something to do with that. And so give yourself credit, not just for what did not work. Don't just give yourself credit for the failure of a marriage. Also give yourself credit for the good times and the memories and the beautiful things that may have come as a result. So if you have children, um, that's a beautiful thing that came as a result of that relationship. If you have wonderful, strong friendships, that too is a beautiful thing. If you have memories from vacations, um, maybe buying your first home, all of those things are wonderful life memories that you had a part in. And what you can be reminding yourself of is that many of these things you can buy another home. You know, you may continue to travel with friends or even by yourself and you can build new memories. Okay. You may be at an age in your life where you're not thinking about having any more children, <laughs> but maybe you pour that love into grandchildren or nieces and nephews or the kids in the neighborhood. If you really want to have that feeling of, of being able to nurture children again. So 
look at the past, those wonderful positive memories that you did build with someone else. And even if that relationship with them is over, you were still very instrumental in those wonderful things in your life happening. So remind yourself of what you're capable of in terms of creating this amazing life that you feel like you had before. Um, for support, and this, kind, this is kind of almost a repeat, re, rely on your friends and family for support. I talked about friends and family earlier in terms of connecting with them. Also think about them in terms of how they can support you. Sharing adversity can sometimes bring people closer together. They even say there's, there's bonding in how we complain with one another. But you want to make sure that you're not getting support from people who only want to hear you complaining because there's going to come a day when that should not be what's going on. And if you complain to the right folks who really support you, they'll listen for a minute, but they want to help divert that energy to something positive and more future forward. And they know you don't want to have a life full of complaining. So it's like, okay, so let's talk about this for a few minutes and tell me what's bothering you and what got you upset. If you are dealing with those five stages of grief, you might be calling someone to share, you know what, today I really, really got angry thinking about X, Y, Z. Like today it really hit me just how angry I've been. And you're going to want to talk to somebody who understands and can be really supportive as you work through that. I'm going to mention this again. It's not even on my list, but I always, always mention the power of having a good therapist if you don't have one especially if you realize that you are really struggling getting through the anger or the depression or any of those states that you don't want to be stuck in. If you realize you just are at a place where you just keep cycling down, I really recommend that you put some energy into looking for a really good therapist, a good counselor. Um, but you could get a lot of support from friends and family who are able to just listen. Um, Sharing your grief with others is a strong bond experience. So also consider support groups. Um, and you may have someone in your circle already that has experienced divorce and you're able to sit and talk to them, but you may want to go someplace where it's a group of people that you don't know and you can share things that you don't want other people to know that happen in your, in your marriage or that you're dealing with, but just being able to get it out, there's, it's cathartic, right? And so look for uh, divorce groups of uh, support groups for divorced individuals. If you don't want to try, you know, one-on-one -on -one therapy or one-on-one -on -one counseling. This is also something that, um, that I read and I had heard about things like this. I've, I've never done it. I don't I have to look at the list. I don't think I've ever done any of them, but it's participating in what's called morning rituals. Now um, there's nothing new about rituals to help people go through a mourning period. They have been going on for centuries. Different cultures, different traditions have uh, rituals and ceremonies. That's what a funeral is, actually. That's what a wake is. Um, they are rituals that we have set up and structured for mourning that are very acceptable. Well, uh, a study done in 2021 revealed that rituals that help people grieve can provide them a space to honor the person and it can help them not only honor someone that you've lost by death, but it can also help them um, let go of a traumatic experience. So you can create a, a ritual, a mourning ritual for yourself to release all of the angst and anger and frustration that you're dealing with, or at least provide a pathway for you to release it. I'm not going to say it might disappear all at once, but for some people it does by creating this, this morning ritual. And it gives you this permission to transition into the next part of your life. So let me share what some of those might look like when it comes to divorce. Um, it, it could actually help you honor your marriage. So I just talked about the memories that you might have because of the positive things that you experienced in your marriage. And if you can take those things and embrace them and really celebrate some of those wonderful things. Um, you can also put yourself in a position to let go of the trauma that you experience as a result. And then you have that permission to reinvent yourself. So there's no real solid ritual for divorce, but let me tell you what 
some people have started to do. And if you do a search for these, you'll find some of them. Um, you can write a goodbye letter. Write a farewell letter to your ex. Now, whether or not you ever send it to them again is a whole nother conversation, but you can still write the letter to your ex and just put in it how you're feeling. And it could be things that, uh, that you felt hurt by, and it could be some of the good memories that you share. So put all of those things that are coming up for you in a letter to your ex and then decide if it's something you want to send or it's something you just want to have. And maybe you um, have a few friends over and tell them I did this letter. Maybe you do it by yourself and maybe you burn it. You know, maybe you, you, you have a ceremony to get rid of it. Just getting it out may be all that you need. You can journal about your grieving process. So if you are going through any of these stages of grief, you can keep a journal just for that. And I would say do the five stages of grief and maybe keep one for the positive memories when they come up as well. Um, last week, I think I shared it's sometimes even healthy and a good idea to remind yourself of why the marriage did not work, because it's easy to get depressed and slip into Oh, it was so much better. Even when we were together, it wasn't perfect, but we could have made it work. And so you need to remind yourself, mm, I didn't like being spoken to like this, or I didn't like being treated like this, or I didn't like the person that I became being in that relationship the way it was. I wasn't showing up as my best self. So I wasn't good to be around when I was like that either. And so you, you want to be able to remind yourself so that you understand that this has happened and you are in a place where it's time for you to look to your future and what that next phase in your life is gonna look like. So writing the goodbye letter, journaling about your grieving process, your good memories, and creating a list of what both of you are losing and gaining. So back to what didn't work, what are you giving up? What did you have to lose? Did you have to split a home? Did you have to, someone had to get custody of the dog? you know, children, what are you losing in this relationship? Were there some people that were friends that have chosen sides and now you don't communicate with one of them or both of them because they were his friends or her friends before the marriage. And now after the divorce, they've kind of not, they've isolated and they're not speaking to you, not because they're angry, uh, because of the discomfort they're experiencing. So, um, be show grace to yourself, but also show grace to other people, because this is a very awkward circumstance for some people to deal with. But um, write down this list of things that you're losing. Both of you have lost. And then write down what is it that you're gaining? What is it that you're gaining? And it could be things like peace, tranquility, uh, the ability to make decisions for myself without having to check with anyone. You know, no one gets to tell you, don't judge these. It's not about them being good or bad or right or wrong. Um, if it feels good and it feels like a gain, then that's what it is. And write that down so that you can see what those things look like. These are all under some divorce rituals that people have, have practiced or um, have experienced with someone else. Um, I've seen this one on television, burning your wedding dress. Yeah, I've seen the ritual. Uh, matter of fact, there's a relationship coach that had a, uh, a Netflix series uh, last season. And in one of the episodes, one of the women in the house, they're all divorced women learning how to date again. She actually burned her wedding dress. It might be a little extreme. I'm just going to caution you do it someplace safe <laughs> um, so that you don't catch anything else on fire. And uh, think about it because look, you could also donate that dress to someone who would really appreciate having a beautiful wedding gown, um, get it dry cleaned and donate it to a Goodwill or donate it to a bridal shop or put an ad in your local paper and let people know the size. And you don't have to, you could sell it if you wanted to, but if you were gonna set it on fire, you, you're probably gonna feel much better donating it and letting it be something that another bride can take and use for her special day. The dress does not have any negativity negative karma that's going to spread to somebody else. So unless you're extremely superstitious about things, it could be the, the very blessing that somebody else needs. But there are wedding dress burning parties that are happening as part of some of these divorce rituals. Hey, Sonia, how are you doing? And so that's something that you could do. Create a memory box. 
Um, and this is a way of kind of gathering a bunch of things together that might have memory to you after your divorce or as a result, you know, the years that you were married. And you don't want to necessarily see these things sitting around your home. If you have children, it could be something over the years when they're old enough that you want to give to them. So put everything in a memory box. This one is, and, and I'm going to tell you, these things that I'm going through, for some people, they're going to be like, oh, that sounds like me. And for other things, they're going to be like, I don't want to keep that stuff. So if you're not the person to keep things like that, then the memory box is not going to be for you. And you can figure out who do I want to give these things to? Where do I want to take them? But it is something that some folks are doing because there are things that they have uh, gathered through the course of their marriage that might have meaning for different reasons to them and they don't want to get rid of it. And so they can keep them in this memory box. And at least this way, they're all in one place, right? They're all in one place. And you can always decide later as you continue to move further away from this divorce and into your new life, maybe one day you'll look at the memory box and go, I don't need this stuff anymore. Maybe you'll ship it to your ex, or maybe that's when you'll give it to your, one of your kids, um, a divorce party. I've also seen these. I've never had one. Um, but some, some folks, men and women have a divorce party. Why not? You have a bridal shower, you know, men have bachelor parties. So if you are in a space where you're feeling really good, um, about your life. And, I, and I'm going to say it like this. Some people do things and it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to show her this is, this is my, this, uh, they're going to regret ever. Don't make your divorce party party about them. Make it about you stepping into the next, um, the next chapter of your own life. And so make it a celebratory thing, not a, I'm going to show them or who needs them. Try to keep a lot of that negativity out of the things that you're doing to transition yourself into a better next phase of your life. So a divorce party is one. And then lighting a candle on the anniversary of your divorce or marriage. Again, these are rituals that people have, have done um, that have been suggested and that they've done. And so figure out what's going to work for you. Do you want to have a moment of reflection on your wedding anniversary? Do you want to have a moment of reflection or thanks or whatever you want to call it, whatever comes up for you? on the anniversary of your divorce, just to acknowledge that day. And perhaps you need that for a period of time, maybe the first year or two, it's something that you need because when that day comes around, it's difficult for you. Um, if you're somebody who can actually remember the date you got divorced, then it, there's probably something in you holding on to that. And it is perfectly fine for you to create some sort of a ritual, a morning ritual um, or celebratory ritual or something around that day. Maybe that's a day I'm going to add to the list. This has been on here and it's not a, uh, it's not a divorce party, but it might be that you have a couple of really good friends that you just want to go out to dinner with on that day. It's the day that you got divorced and you don't want to be by yourself and you can go out and you can have a conversation with them. Maybe you combine these things. So maybe on the anniversary of your divorce, maybe year one or two, if you've never done it, maybe that's when you write that goodbye letter. And what do you want to say goodbye to or who do you want to say goodbye to? So when I mentioned this at the top of this list of rituals, Sonia, I'm talking about some of the rituals people use for divorce. And this episode is actually about grieving, um, finding your happy way to ways to be happy, even when you're grieving or when you're coming through this grief process. And we're talking about whether it's a loss from a death or in this case, a divorce. Um, and both of those experiences tend to put people into a stage, some type of state of grief. So you can actually combine some of these. So maybe you do want to have a dinner with friends on the anniversary of your divorce. And maybe you also want to write a goodbye letter. Now, you could write a goodbye letter one year to your ex. Then, like I said, will you send it? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But the letter, it's, it's just a... Uh, uh, it's a way for you to get all of that out of your system. But maybe the next year you write a goodbye letter to you. Hmm. Maybe it's a goodbye letter to the old you. Because now you have probably experienced some change. And one of the things that I do in my Divorce is Not a Destination program, it's to help women transition and have a growth. Uh, it's a post-traumatic growth is what I like to call it. It's this growth experience that you can give yourself when you finally realize I am going to be better than I've ever been. I'm going to be the best me that I have could ever possibly be because I'm going to embrace everything that life is putting in front of me. So now 
maybe you write a goodbye letter to the old you and you write a letter to the person you want to become or who you are today. And you write the letter and tell yourself, this is what I love about who you are right now. And I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you for being able to go through what you just went through and make these changes in your life and do things that you didn't know you were capable of doing. And I am proud of you and I love you. That's a really nice letter. So it's sort of a goodbye to the past and hello to you right now letter. And you are perfectly, um, I'm giving you permission to give yourself permission to write that letter. Okay, and in, in, a, in a new way of celebrating or mourning uh, your divorce. So you can allow the grief to turn into something positive. So consider what's, this is the eighth, the eighth one. Consider the things that are important in your life, the positive changes. Um, maybe you now are able to spend more time with your children. Maybe now you're able to plan that trip to the Mediterranean and you can do it by yourself. I just did Europe for my 60th birthday. I did Germany and uh, Paris for my 60th birthday by myself. Um, maybe you're going to start new rituals. And in the next week or two, next couple of weeks, we've got, you know, the holidays coming up and I'm going to be doing two episodes on dealing with the holidays when you're divorced, like having new traditions and not having holidays that are depressing and sad. So keep an eye out, out for those. I actually need to switch dates on one of them that's already already scheduled. I wanna get it a little bit ahead of Thanksgiving instead of the day before, but there will be two episodes where I'm talking about new holiday rituals and, and having a new joy even after divorce, not letting divorce ruin your holiday season. So just as I'm about to wrap up, and Sonia, if you have ever done a divorce ritual. I don't even know if you've been divorced. I'd love to hear it. Or if you heard one, I think I saw hearts going that you were like, Hey, that sounds like a good idea. Feel free to, to, to jump in and share what you're thinking. Um, oh. Hi, Sonia. How are you? Good. <laughs> yeah. I, it took me a little while, like, uh, everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I came out really, I was really, um, lucky and somehow miraculous i'm still really good friends with my former spouse and uh so i'm one of those but you know all the things that you mentioned the rituals and all of these things it helps with you know with yeah release releasing right mm -hmm. and letting go and all of these things right right yeah. now how did you did you two have an amicable separation but you still knew it was better for both of you to, to split up? Or did you have to spend some time before you got back to that point of being, having a, a good relationship? It was bad for me, right? Because uh, it, he was my first love and my only, right, love. And so after 14 years, it was really tough, right? And, uh, but for me, the pain was so much so that I tried everything to um, get rid of it, right? I, Mm -hmm. um, take counseling. I, you know, I did group counseling and I did, um, uh, of course my, you know, going on trips and also I think the most, um, miraculous thing happened to me when I w went on the yoga kind of retreat, right. Where mm. it took me to also, you know, it's a combination of yoga and of course learning about business online, right and mm -hmm. starting marketing and all of these things. So I thought that was a great thing. And it was out of the country and I've never nice. really done a traveling by myself. And so it was like for me to kind of separate myself completely from, you know, the things that I needed to let go. Right. That was awesome. So you, you kind of created your own experience. And I love hearing that there was like yoga tied in with some business information and that you were able to do it out of the country. So you had international travel. So mm -hmm. you were able to combine a couple of things into an experience that sounded like it kind of released some of the pain for you. Yeah, completely. Um, it released, you know, I think it was combination of the yoga and the meditation that we went through. And mm -hmm. so I didn't feel like the pain at all. It just disappeared in the middle of like um, the, my, my, my program was three months, right? Wow, and, wonderful. Yeah, and completely gone. I came out blissful, <laughs> which is kind of so, 
I, I love, <laughs> I love hearing that. I love hearing that because um, divorce is not a destination. My program is a multi-month program because I tell people you can go to a weekend retreat, but you are probably not going to really be able to deal with everything that you have experienced going through a divorce in a weekend retreat. It, it's not about just dealing with the paperwork of the divorce. It's about dealing with all of the emotion and trauma and the energy that you put into the marriage and all of that ending and then trying to figure out who am I now? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up and how does it look different? Yeah, and you, totally. I really think you need something that's going to be several months long that you can commit to so that you can create a new set of habits, right? Mm -hmm. New traditions, new a new way of thinking about yourself. Because if you've been with someone for years and years, you, every time you think about you, it's in relationship to this partner. And when they're gone, it's like, well, who is Sonia, right? Mm -hmm. Who am I going to be now? So good for you that you found something like that and that you stuck with it for three months. That's amazing. Yeah, it was during the middle of COVID, right? <laughs> and so when, you know, when the lockdown happened, um, they gave us an option to return. Of course, all the governments wants you back in the country. And I'm like, I never fit like I don't like uh, stopping in the middle of things, you know, mm -hmm. I like to finish stuff. So I already spent and I made all these commitments, right? And so I'm not going back, you know, no matter yeah. what. So I'm going to finish and finish through. And we did it on Zoom for the rest of the halfway through, right? Sweet. A month and a half. And I got a chance to meet friends because there were 55 of us from all over the world. And awesome. so, yeah, it was the positive kind of atmosphere where I needed to like, you know, really see other side of uh, people or other side of me that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I think coming back, I, although my emotional pain was gone, right, I had no problem with talking to my former spouse or anything mm -hmm. like that coming back. I was totally comfortable with all of that. But wow. it, there was some remnants of the emotions that was flooding to the other side of my relationship. So, I was lucky to also meet like a, a mentor, a teacher, or a guide mm -hmm. that also continue from that yoga and uh, yes. was able to help me with the emotional part because uh, although I'm not mad or anything like that, there was something that still stuck there, right? And so he oh, helped me understandable. The final. Yeah. So totally I thought understandable. that was, Yeah. So I'm just what would you say, what would you, could you say what the one thing was the, the biggest thing for you that changed over, were you, and how often were you meeting over the three months? Well, we were doing um, yoga and meditation um, four hours a day. So evening okay. and morning and evening. And okay. it's also a basic training for me. Like, okay, if I come out of there, I'd be a yoga teacher and as well as learning about business and marketing and all of these things, right? So that's a positive thing for me. And I think you're right in terms of like setting up a new life, right? That was like, it's it's like uh, almost divine timing in many ways because, you know, COVID hit, online thing was like, boo, you know, blooming, right? And we were on the Zoom kind of um, now world, right? Pretty much. And so I thought, how how awesome was the timing, right? And so, yeah. and of course, coming back and getting uh, the all the emotional things organized, and of course, my former spouse is like a surprise, right? Um, you right. Know, he, he's like, who are you? He, yeah. Um, he's like, you know, uh, we were still living it with each other because we haven't sold the house yet, right? And mm -hmm. so for the rest of the five, six months that it took for, you know, for us to get the house ready and get it sold, right? Um, it was like, I wasn't uncomfortable, but he was, right? And yeah. so <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm I'm totally free, right? In terms right. of everything. And I'm not like plastering it all over his face or anything like that. I came from an understanding and a love, right? Because mm -hmm. yeah, although now, you know, I might not be the woman for you, but, you know, I'm still like care about you as a human being. Right. Right. You you, yeah. you went to th and I want to thank you, Sonia, for sharing this. This is this is actually a perfect way for me to wrap up because um, it speaks to you being able to. I'm going to go ahead and take you down here. It speaks to you being able to, like you just said, 
it wasn't about you being angry at him. It was about you coming to know you better. And so when you were able to understand you better and show love to yourself, you had nothing but love to give him. And, and it sounded like it kind of threw him a little bit. And so th this whole show has been about uh, finding strategies to find happy, even when we're dealing with grief. And Sonia, what you just talked about is the epitome of that. It's taking that time, giving yourself permission to love on you giving yourself permission to realize I have a whole world that's now open to me that looks different than the one that I had with this person. And I can move on from this and leave this pain and continue to work through and open up a different life. Because the chances are, if that divorce hadn't happened, you probably would never have done that yoga <laughs> program, right? And which means you put yourself in a position to change your life because life changed. And so you, you just embraced that. And if other people are listening to the, listening to this, don't be afraid to look for something that's long-term. Don't be afraid to look for something that's going to take you three months, four months, six months for you to really invest in yourself, because it really is about us investing in ourselves to get through these, these traumatic events in our lives. Um, and when you do that, I just think the universe, God, whoever it is that you pray to or believe in, I think we get rewarded for really loving ourselves and we put ourselves in a position to love other people. And that is, I think that is like the best thing that we could have happen because coming out of a relationship that we feel like love was lost and to get to another place in your life where you feel like love was never lost, that love is still there. It just looks different. I can love myself and I will learn to love other people. I still have, I have so much love in me that I can't do anything but love other people. And so Sonia, I thank you for, for coming on and sharing in, in the last couple of minutes. I wanna thank uh, Sonia for being here. I just saw Ryan or someone had popped in, but I wanna thank everyone who listens to this show in the replay. And uh, we got a blessing today with, with Sonia sharing with us. So if you are in a similar situation, um, you've got years and years of marriage behind you and you feel like it's coming to an end or you've already experienced the end, this may be something that you want to look into, a program like Divorce is Not a Destination or something that's interesting to you in terms of a career change where you can get the support that you need and have the opportunity to broaden your horizons with what you're going to do with the rest of your life. So I'm Dr. Lisa. This has been another episode of Divorce is Not a Destination. And I want to thank you for being here and thank you for listening to this uh, episode. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to my series, Divorce is Not a Destination. You can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Divorce is Not a Destination. And if you enjoyed this episode, recommend Divorce is Not a Destination to your family and friends. Be sure to join my live audience and see upcoming shows by registering for access here at Fireside. That's firesidechat.com backslash Lisa Summer Hour, L-I-S-A-S-U-M-M-E-R-O-U-R. -S -S -E Catch replays here on Fireside or your favorite streaming channel. Until next time, remember, your life, your journey, and divorce is not a destination. Live on Fireside.